1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA member FDIC.
2: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment.
1: that is a
3: harsh
4: lesson in business
5: sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together i didn't want
0: to do another stomp you out speech it opened up so many more doors the show is called the The deal Deal.
2: listen to the deal listen to the deal on spotify
3: you you feel this this nervousness on the phone there
1: sir i've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there
2: i don't think it's something i want to do on an overseas phone You gotta make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, please feel free to do so. The phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line, and I'm going to do that thing again where I go from new, newest caller... To oldest caller, because we're getting uh, we're getting close to game time here. And yeah, some of you people are getting skipped. I'm sorry. You know the rules. Just call back in. There's no limit. There's no toll. You didn't pay a fee, so shut up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You can do whatever you want.
5: Hey Ryan, uh, you're you're just talking about Kyle Brandt, and I know your uh, yeah a distaste for national media general, especially Kyle Brandt. Um, I want to say like good- honestly,
2: I don't exactly know why I dislike Kyle Brandt. I don't know I, I I've noticed that I've developed i have begun to accumulate more and more distaste for him, and I don't really know why I, I don't think he's done anything necessary I think it's just because he's so loud you know what I mean like he's he's so gimmicky and 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 it's it's maybe that's an unfair characterization because I wouldn't doubt if that's his real personality but it just it feels so fake and it's so over the top and it's so loud and it's so it really seems very fake you know. I mean, he's doing all this. This like when, when they do these segments where you got to be over the top. He's the most over the top. When when you do the segments that are serious, he's the most serious and intellectual. And then he does that thing in his basement where he's all being all emotional toward Packer fans. I love people like I. You're you're the greatest people. You're the like everything is just so like, dude. Can you just shut up and like say things? And then he doesn't say anything that is necessarily great. Right, He rips his shirt off and he has a Kirk Cousins jersey on and he talks about how Kirk Cousins is going to win MVP and obviously that was that was stupid. But it was a thing and then we just move on and we got to listen to more of his stuff. And I, I, here's what I think. I think it's just that he's the most noticeable. I think a lot of people say a lot of stupid stuff and I just forget who they are because they're forgettable. You can't forget that guy. So when he says something dumb, you just always remember it. Same with Colin Coward because he's just a very noticeable uh, person. Some of these guys, though, like I, I kind of remember them, and I'm pretty sure they've said stupid stuff, but I don't exactly remember. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out why I have such a distaste for him, because you're right, I do, and I don't really entirely know why that's the best I can do for you.
5: Good morning. Good, Good morning football. They yeah. do three hours a day, five days a week, even during the offseason. So that's 15 hours a week. How you do that during the offseason to get content, I don't know, but um, I used to watch Good Morning Football every day until Nate Burleson left. Um, Nate Burleson is actually, he's like, he's a viking i know but uh he just like very smart and very always had very good points but he left for actual like a national like general media job outside of football so Fair enough. Um, he's doing big things but anyway um i see this good morning football like i see uh cnn and like fox news you know uh you're not going there for news you're going there <laughs> right because they're not giving you news They're it's it's about ratings it's about entertainment and it's not about the news so
2: it's funny how the how true that is
5: uh, good morning, football. I think you just gotta take it for what it is, and then it can be enjoyable. But just don't expect to be going there looking for uh, good takes or good do-
2: good uh, good tidbits. What What do you do there? Because I just go there for the bad takes, and then I make fun of it, and then I sit here and go, "Why do people watch this?" So I I guess my question would be like, "What is the thing where you look at?" It and it's like, "Look, I'm not here because they're saying anything useful. I'm just here because what." I understand maybe sometimes it's like background noise, like I'll listen to podcasts and sometimes they're not great. <sighs> I probably should. I, I won't mention it. There is a podcast I have begun listening to more and more, and I don't know why other than it just keeps popping up and I just keep listening to it. It is a Packers podcast. And it it th- there's so many better ones out there. And it borderline annoys the crap out of me. Like the more I listen to it, the more it's like, oh, you guys are just something else but um but i keep listening and and it, and it does sometimes make for good background noise you know they they just keep talking in the background you know what the heck they're talking about doesn't matter they they sound entertaining when they talk and so it's decent background noise. i don't know but i generally don't do that if i'm gonna watch football stuff it's it's like i don't want to say it's work because it's it's enjoyable but there's a purpose to it there's something I need, there's something I want, and that's the good thing about YouTube. If, if there's something I want to know, I'm going to find it. Like a breakdown of the the Packers' last performance, like I'm going to go look for it. I don't necessarily want to listen to somebody just kind of talk about life. Like, you know, what I do on my podcast. <laughs> I hope I'm better than Kyle Brandt. I don't know. I, 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 I do want to know that, though. So call in anybody and let me know why you watch stuff like that if it's not to learn anything. Just... To, because sometimes you listen to things just to get angry. Because I kind of do that, although I don't think I would if it wasn't for the podcast. So I don't know. I'm I'm not sure. I'd love to I'd love to hear from you.
5: Yes, because that's that's not their job doing the amount of content they do. If you ask me, Um and that's not what they're trying to do. Um, what are Kyle they trying Brand to do? Definitely over the top and yes. a little wild, but um, silly. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he's like
2: Jim Carrey. You know, like when I was a kid, Jim Carrey was kind of funny. Like like. In uh, Ace Ventura, he talked with his butt, and and that was like the best thing anybody ever did. Because I was like six. Um, but then you become an adult, and you're like Jim Carrey's kind of just an idiot. Like, <laughs> like aside from entertaining children, like I can't imagine spending seven seconds with that guy. I'm I'm exhausted just thinking about Jim Carrey, much less watching. Although I did watch The Mask, and that was kind of funny. But even then, like when he puts the mask on. Um, it's a little bit like, dude, freaking chill, bro. And I've noticed that's kind of the thing, like with those shows. It's like high energy, just be really crazy. I don't know. I I think our uh, well, I'll I'll leave it alone because some of you guys like that.
5: Um, I'm looking forward to the game tomorrow. I don't know, just call my dad and get dumped because I'm sure.
2: You're nah, gonna uh, sorry I got to you,
5: grandmother. Um, Thank you. And hoping we talk Monday about kicking the crap out of the coffee Go
4: back, go
2: I hope so. I'm I'm starting to get more and more confident, and I don't really know why. I, I think I'm just um, the more I kind of settle into things. I, I the biggest thing, and I did mention this on the podcast. Uh, it's it comes down to the quarterbacks, and I mean, who knows? Jordan Love could have a bad day. Ritter, Ritter could have a great day, but it just I think our defense does a good job. They did a good job. I think they'll do a good job, and and they can kind of manipulate Ritter. Might be tough to get to him if he gets the ball out quick enough, but that's where the coverage comes in. Hopefully they're not just gonna play, you know, this often soft nonsense. Cause, you know, we that, that's some of the stuff we've done in the past that ends up being kind of annoying. It's one thing to do that with Justin Fields. Like we're gonna play zone, we're gonna drop into our spaces, whatever. We gotta watch this guy with Ritter. We want him to stay in the pocket and not throw it. And in order to do that, we can't give them an easy three-yard completion because he'll just throw it. And then that three turns into six, and it's like, what the heck are we doing? And then then you just let them do that all game, on top of the fact that they're gashing you with the run. We need to do exactly what we were scared the Bears are going to do to us. We need to compress the field, and we need to be working downhill. And if Ritter wants to do something, he's going to have to stand in the pocket, go through his progressions, wait for that guy deep down the field to kind of get get into his break, and then hope that our pass rush can get there, that Ritter can't get the ball there, and or our corners can do it, slash safeties can do a good enough job covering that. That would be my preference, but... Yeah, I'm 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 feeling much more confident in this game than I probably should.
1: Hey Ryan, it's AA Ron from Eau Claire. What's I just up? wanted to um give you a call because I was just listening to a video. Um it was from the Colin Coward show okay. where uh James Jones came on. This was this week so I think somebody recent. sent
2: that. I haven't watched it yet. And
1: it was really funny because um we all remember the clip of of uh Colin saying you know, there's no good uh, reports coming out of. Yeah, camp that's exactly. There's no good. Maybe it was you that said that. All that stuff. Um, I don't you know, think so. I found the only bad articles, blah, 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 blah. No one believes in him at the front office, thinks he's going to fail, all this stuff. Um, and then James Jones comes on and, and he goes, Yeah, I think Jordan Love looked great, made all the right decisions, looks like he's incredible extremely in command of the offense. I think Green Bay's in great hands. So I just thought that was really funny because um, it completely contradicted what Colin said uh, on some of those shows. So um, if you look up uh, James Jones and Colin Cowherd on uh, YouTube, you should be able to find it. Um, but uh, anyways, um, another interesting thing, about that is James Jones was talking about how Ted Thompson moved on from him um, because he said he wanted the young players to play Mm -hmm. and he said I can't have you on the team because you know it's going to get in the way of the young players development and uh, so I think it's really interesting to think about how um, you know Aaron Rodgers has kind of painted Brian Gutekunst as being the problem um, but because of the way he moves on from players, but Ted Thompson pretty much was doing the exact right. same thing. To
2: play. well, that was always one of the silly mischaracterizations by Aaron Rodgers when he started talking about, you know, just gloating about how great everybody was prior to this new regime. Like there were so many great people in the building, and Ted Thompson and all that stuff. It's like, dude, Ted Thompson was like Brian Gutekunst on steroids. I mean, Brian Gutekunst kept everybody. Ted Thompson never would have kept these guys ever, and it, he probably would have been right. He probably wouldn't have kept you and given you the contract that you got. He wasn't keeping these guys. He got rid of everybody. He got rid of. He's the one that got rid of Jordy, which you're still pissed off about. This is the way. First of all, this is the way that football works. Period, and you should understand that. But second of all, this is especially the way the Packers work. Including all these people that he was gloating about were so great back in the day before, which I mean, he, he never that was never meant to be a, um, a real genuine comment in terms of really meaning what he's saying. That was a shot at Brian Gutekunst. That was simultaneously saying they were good people back then. And I'm not going to mention you implying you're a bad person. But I think even more than that, it was you're never going to measure up to what they were. You're not Ted Thompson, and you'll never be Ted Thompson. I think that's the crux of what that was. But it, obviously, if you actually look at it, that's completely stupid.
1: Players like James Jones and uh, Randall Cobb and all this stuff that... Uh, players that are getting on the older side and wanted to come back, even for less money. And um, so I, I just think Brian Goodkins has kind of gotten unfairly criticized in this whole... Um, thing a little bit not that he's perfect but like oh Ted Thompson was this this great manager and, and Goody took over and then everything was bad um, I think Goody is a lot more in the mold of Ted Thompson than maybe it's been painted so just wanted
2: to point that out yeah and in the areas that they differ those are exactly the areas where Rogers got what he wanted Goodukan's has been vastly different than Ted Thompson because he embraced the all-in in which instead of getting rid of people like he probably should have, he decided to push more money out and keep these guys to try to see if we can push for for a a championship. And whether or not that was the right thing to do is irrelevant. The fact of the matter is the only areas again in which they are different are the areas in which Rodgers essentially got what he wanted. The areas in which they are the same where Gudekunst is like Ted Thompson are the areas that Rogers doesn't like. So, I don't know. I, that was another thing. I was listening to that podcast, That Shall Not Be Named, and they were, well, one of them was ragging on Ted Thompson and just sounding just dumb. And it's just this typical fan stuff of like, oh, you missed. So you're, you know, like, that. that's the, that's unacceptable. Like, what, what the frick are you talking about? How do you, I'm giving all the, making it too obvious who I'm talking about, but good Lord. I mean, how freaking much of a casual can you be?
0: Hey, Ryan, it's Wayne from Illinois. Hey. I'm just starting to listen to your after dark where you're semi-apologizing for taking time off. <laughs> you did the right thing. I mean, losing a grandparent is tough. You know, I don't care if you took three days off beforehand. You know, you owed it to yourself. You owe it to your family. So you did the right thing. As they would have said in the the movie, Indiana Jones, you chose wisely. Go back on.
2: I appreciate it, Wayne. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I always kind of took pride in no matter what, I will never miss an episode. You know, I mean, that, that was my mentality for a long time. A few years back when my mom died, um, I got a call. So we had driven. I don't know if I've ever told the story. I probably have. I, you guys know everything about my life at this point but this was like, I don't know, 2018 ish. We were driving for a work trip. And of course I got to bring out the whole family. It's like sweet family vacation. So we were on this long drive. We had stopped in, um, oh, we didn't stop. We were in, I think Cleveland. It's a long drive from, um, Madison, Wisconsin to Cleveland with a big family and driving all the way straight through. So we pull up at the embassy suites cause we're big balling like that, you know, when work's paying for it. And we get in there, we finally get settled up and, um, you know, obviously you're just freaking exhausted. Well, my wife woke me up at like midnight that, you know, people have been trying to call me and, you know, your your mom passed away. Obviously horrible, devastating, don't know what to do. I, I, I barely even know what's going on. I got to call my family. I called my grandma who just passed away. This is my mom's mom that, that had passed away. Find out what's going on. The heck happened. And then I just had to go back to sleep. And then I got up at probably four o'clock in the morning, the next morning, I grabbed the laptop, I went outside of the hotel, I got in this, uh, the Dodge Durango that we drove this family out to, it was pouring rain, and I got in that truck and I recorded the podcast on, you know, four or five hours of sleep. Had to keep taking breaks because I was crying in between every five minutes or so, but, you know, pause it, gather yourself, continue on. I don't remember if I took time off with some of these other, uh, I know my, my grandpa was really tough. I believe I recorded, I may have taken a day off. I don't know, but the bottom line is that that was on the back of my mind. You know, I, I know you have the ability to do it. And and part of me was thinking, if you're not going to do it, you know, where has that passion and that fire for the podcast gone? That might sound kind of silly, but, but that is kind of a thing. Like, you know, that, that was a point of pride you know, again, waking up at two, three o'clock in the morning to do the podcast just so I could do it. And this is before I was making a a single cent. I made no money. There was no sponsorships. There was no Patreon. There was nothing. But essentially, my wife didn't like me doing it because I spent too much time not paying, you know, not go to work, come home, and then I do the podcast. I wasn't spending time with the family. And I said, fine, I will wake up at three o'clock in the morning and I'll do the podcast. There was nothing that was going to get in my way and I was going to make it work. And I always did. And I didn't miss. So I appreciate that, Wayne. and, And you're right. There's nothing wrong with taking a day off but it was just kind of weighing on me a little bit in terms of you know you physically can do this you should be doing it so that was just sort of my thought process i guess
4: hey it's jimmy hey. um hey i'd just like to speak to uh this interesting um thing i was thinking about with regard to the way we speak about jordan love i'm hearing you talk about how uh there will be a son after night uh after dark you're talking about how jordan will need to step up and put the team on his back sometimes and be Superman sometimes. And I don't disagree. And I think what I keep doing in my head is thinking, can he do that next week? And I think, well, who knows? But then I think we're also talking about, can he do that in two years, three years, five years, seven years, 10 years? You know, uh, it's such an interesting thing to be trying to project um, this unknown. Uh, and and unlike Rogers first year where we went six and 10 and, and he had a pretty good year and and Mm -hmm. we didn't know what you were going to get. And we were pretty impressed, even though the record didn't show it and whatnot. We saw the glimpses. The difference is this year, we seem to have like a real good team around Jordan loves very first, uh, year as a starter. And, and it's giving us all little bits of, um, of hope that he that we as a team, can maybe do something this year, um which again fair, like you know everything we 've seen tells us maybe that's true, and hope is poten- and potential believing in potential is you know what being a fan's all about, so it's all good all around, but uh I just'm noticing that you know uh we're talking about like basically I guess what I'm saying is game manager, yes is a huge step up from bust. And Game Manager might be most of what he is this very first year, which I think is fine and good. And can there be moments when he busts out of Game Manager? Like, I even want to say Game Manager sounds per- pejorative. And yeah, but right. that
2: and, and that's sort of the problem. That's why I don't like saying it, because people generally see it as you're a piece of garbage, but you're good enough. And that's not really I mean that could be what I mean given depending on the context but in this context it's not. It really is just I just need you to not necessarily do anything special. Let's let uh you know Matt LaFleur draw up the plays and and let the guys down the field get open. All I need you to do is is do the right things at the right time. And he does seem to be that guy. And and to get to your earlier point, um can he be that guy that puts the team on his back? I genuinely believe he can from time to time. It really is just a question of how often? Will it be a once-a-year thing, a twice-a-year thing, a five-times-a-year thing? I think that's that's sort of the biggest difference. And then everybody has terrible games. Is that a once-a-year thing, a ten-times-a-year thing? You know what I mean? So that's that's going to be the makeup of Jordan Love. But I think from what we've seen from him and his strengths and weaknesses, I have really no doubt that he's going to have some special games. I mean, he he's kind of, you know, it's sort of that Christian Watson thing where you know when he has a good day, it's going to be a real good day. I mean, last week could have been that week if he just didn't miss. And I know that sounds silly, but, you know, he's not doing stupid things. It's just, he's just off a little bit. That passes a little off, that passes a little off. And you had like five of those, and it's like, well, that's not great. But man, if, if he just hit those, I mean, he, he has that sort of, you, you look at the throws and the ability to do the no looks and the ability to look off people and, and and you know look to his right, throw to his left. The ability to throw that off platform flick of the wrist off his back foot into the end zone to Romeo Dobbs pass. Like he can do those things. So yeah, I think he can do special. Nobody, including Aaron Rodgers at his peak, was special every single game. Nobody put the team on their back every single game. I mean, Rodgers might have been close in twenty eleven. I don't know. But but that's again that just kind of gets to the point of of. Understanding the DNA of this team. Week one, Aaron Jones put the team on his back, just from an offensive perspective. You could argue Dobbs, too, if you wanted to. And and, and again, it's just a matter of how often we... It, it reminds me of what I've talked about with the defensive line. How many... You've got, a, a let's say, a pass rusher, and he has a pass rush win rate. How often is he able to affect the quarterback? Pressure percentage. Okay, and then how many guys do you have... And what are their percentages? And then when you combine that, you kind of get an an idea of how much duress that quarterback is going to be under. It's similar to how I'm viewing this offense. We've got Aaron Jones. How many times a year does he put the team on his back? Like five? Which I I don't mean that to be negative. I mean, that's awesome to be able to be like the guy that wins a game. There might be like four or five of those games every year. Okay, great. Obviously not enough. How many times can Jordan do it? How many times can Watson do it? And you got to understand there's also going to be overlap. There's going to be games where three of these guys do it, and that's their, one of their games. So if Love is two or three, what about Dobbs? He's going to have a couple. What about Watson? What about Reed? What about Musgrave? What about Dylan? Can they kind of have a you know? Can, can Josiah give us a game? I don't think he's ever had one, but can he be like the guy one time? Malik or Wicks are they ever going to have you think they might have one this year but that's what we need that's the point that's that's how you get to 10 wins or 11 wins or 12 wins because guys got to step up everyone's going to have bad days but the more guys you can have with very few bad days and the more guys you can have with put the team on his back days the better your team is and sometimes your DNA is we got Rodgers we got Devontae and they put their team on their back like Devontae puts the team on his back I mean out of <laughs> out of like 16 games Probably like thirteen. Not even kidding. Thirteen times he would put the team on his back. I, I I've never seen anything like Devonte. almost never has bad days and carries the team constantly. So sometimes that's how you win. And sometimes it's different. Like what you know, later on when it became Rogers and, and uh Rogers would have a handful of games, Jones would have a handful, Lazard would have one or two, MVS would have one. And we would just have these like twenty nineteen was so weird where it didn't seem great, but there was always just that one guy that popped off and we won. So that's that's the learning process, is learning, okay, so so, what do we have in these guys? And that's also why we don't need to overreact. You know, if Watson comes out and he doesn't look good, it's like, oh, crap. What, what do you mean, oh, crap? He's not allowed to have one bad game all year? I get that it's not a great start, but so far we're talking about throughout a season, that's one bad game. I think you're allowed a bad game. So it's it's just going to be fun to kind of learn the guys that we have. And it's also going to be fun to learn what we don't have. As much as I would rather we don't have any deficiencies, you know, you got to understand when this season's over, we're going out and we're loading up. And we can start looking at some serious pieces. Like if we if we don't maybe have it at wide receiver, maybe we can go get it. If we, if we, you know, need somebody else at tight end. Apparently, we like doing uh, 13 personnel, three tight ends. We like Musgrave, do we like anybody else? Maybe we need another one. I'm just saying.
4: What we're talking about is somebody being smart within a system and using the system, playing within Lafleur's system. And that's, again, one game in, but that's what we're seeing the potential for. Yes. And so my thought is, you know, can Lafleur? this is a whole team effort. It's not just Love. That Love has to do the things he has to do. So can Lafleur put this team in a position this week, including, of course, the lack of Aaron Jones, it seems, and including, of course – Jordan Love may be making a big-time throw when necessary. Can that combo get us through this game? And then next week, what do we got? We got Watson back. We got Jones back. Can that combo get us through that game? And that's what we've got this season. But at the same time, we're also trying to imagine what Jordan Love may be long-term. And I just think those are two separate things.
2: Well, yeah, and there's a part two to this, but a lot of that, too, is going to come down to Matt LaFleur. You know, we've always said uh, what what a really good coach does is he builds an offense, defense, whatever. He builds a team around the guys he has. That's true year to year. It's also true week to week. A Green Bay Packers team without Aaron Rodgers is a very different team. What? How do you build that around Love? Right. That's that's a year to year thing. Now we have to design that. But here's the thing: you designed it with Aaron Jones and Christian Watson in mind. What do you do if they don't play? You have to change your offense and build a new offense that is Jordan Love, Romeo Dobbs. Luke Musgrave, Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks against the Falcons defense and try to build that out. And I'll I'll be honest, I genuinely have a good amount of confidence in him. I think he's done a fantastic job this year, maybe more than I've ever seen. And and we can make allusions to Rodgers if we choose or not to, doesn't really matter. But like I've said since the preseason, I don't remember ever seeing this many people just being open, just being freaking wide open. I just feel like it's been years and years of Roger's trying to fit tight window passes into these like guys that are covered, but you know it's a perfect pass just away, and it's a perfect outstretched hand catch. And I'm just sitting there going, why can't we ever be open? And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, dude, he's, he's open by freaking 10 yards in all directions. That's wonderful. Love missed him, but still, lovely. <laughs> so happy to see it. But Anyways, OldSouthernBBQ.com. We'll get to uh, Jimmy's second part of his call here in just a minute, but we do need to take a break had a lot of people reach out um gonna be buying their stuff very very excited about that i'm i'm very confident that you will find something that you like there i, I it, it is fantastic stuff especially if you get the, the party pack it's possible you can get a barbecue sauce that isn't 100 your style you know the maybe the spicy is a little too spicy or not spicy enough but if you get that four pack i'm telling you all four are amazing but there's gonna be one in there that's like this is my jam and, uh, if you, if you like your, your rubs and seasonings as I do, you can't go wrong with a basic barbecue rub. That's always a great one to go with, but they've got a brisket rub, they got a chicken rub, and then they got a, a beef, uh, beef rub, which I love that's beef and butter. And like I said before, I don't know how to explain it, but it's actually buttery and it's, it's fantastic. So if you're interested in checking that out, head over to old Southern BBQ.com, use promo code packernet15. That's capital P capital N packernet 15 to get 15% off your order. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Anyways, that's arena club.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you are here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment.
4: Hey, it's Jimmy. Another thought, totally different wavelength. Um, A.J. Dillon talk. Uh, uh, I'm just theorizing that it feels to me like they're putting A.J. Dillon in Aaron Jones situations and thinking they can just switch them out, and, and I don't think that's the case. I don't think A.J. Dillon is like the screen pass guy and the create something behind poor blocking guy like Aaron Jones is. I think if A.J. Dillon has a big, uh, wide hole, like, for a mat truck that he can just plow through, then we're good. You know, like, and I don't, I don't know the schematics either, but maybe, like, some dives or just something simple, straightforward. Just make him a big hole and let him plow through it. And And I think that is part of the issue right now is they're trying to just slip him in there and run the same plays that they would with Aaron Jones. Uh, so, my hope is that maybe there's a silver lining with the uh, the Jones hamstring situation, and there are, maybe they'll be forced to, um, you know, think about this as an AJ Dillon sure. game, and call plays that better suit his skill set.
2: I mean, it's a fair point to make. Um... You know, you, you could draw a parallel there between, you know, Aaron Rodgers and, and Jordan Love when Jordan Love comes in to replace Aaron Rodgers. It's still largely an Aaron Rodgers offense that Jordan Love is running as opposed to taking an entire offseason saying, OK, what is Jordan Love and how do I build an offense around him? It's easier to do that in a full offseason as opposed to this week, especially when you got a bunch of other players on the team that are like, hey, we're going to switch stuff up. And it's like, what are you talking about? Why would you switch it up? Just keep it the same and see if Jordan can fit the uh, the mold. Now you could theoretically call, you know, two different things with Jones and Dillon, but I do think you you generally want to keep things the same. You don't you don't want a situation where you know, when one back is out, you know what they're doing. When the other back is out, you know what they're doing. You know, you cut your playbook in half and this half of the playbook is for Jones, this half of the playbook is for Dillon. The problem is that cuts it in half for the defense as well to give them a much better idea of what you're going to do. So so to your point, it's more likely that this is how we run, and we want both of you to do it. But the way that it was designed is around your superstar, who is Aaron Jones. So, yeah, it's entirely possible now that Jones isn't playing. It's like, all right, now we're going to build it around Dylan a little bit more. Maybe. I don't know. It's it's a, it's a good thought.
4: Um, the other thought is, if that's just not going to happen and we need those Aaron Jones plays, let's use Patrick Taylor for those. He seems like he can be... Uh, mini Aaron Jones or bring in Emmanuel Wilson sure you know make him active for the game if we're down a running back maybe it's a good chance to like keep him active and give him a a shot and if he becomes a hot hand ride it for a little while um again just got to beat the Falcons that's what we got to worry about this week uh but you know like everything there's also long-term ramifications and and judgments to be made. So it was a part of me that's rooting for it to be an A.J. Dillon game just so he can give us that evidence we're all looking for. But in the end, you know, whatever it takes, let's just get this game one. Go back, to
2: Yeah, and tomorrow I um, follow through on my promise of going and looking at A.J. Dillon, and I actually do it live on the show, um, all 13 carries and a handful of, of passes that went to him, and um, kind of give an overall summation. and. um I don't want to give it all away necessarily, but suffice it to say, he was certainly put in disadvantageous situations. There's no question. But also, is there really something special there? I don't know how you can answer the question as yes. And that's what I'd really love to see A.J. Dillon do is to come out and be like, you know what, I wish I hadn't recorded that podcast because that was special. We need that, right? I mean, I feel like we kind of got a glimpse of that in that Titans game where it's like, dude. And, and And again, to your point, what happened in that Titans game? Aaron Jones was out. Jamal Williams went out. He was barely playing. They put him to the forefront. They ran the ball. Took him a little bit to get going. But once he got rumbling, he was really, really going strong. So maybe we will get a little bit more of that, which would be pretty glorious. Because I, I, I want him to be the guy. No doubt about it. I like Dylan. I want him to be here. I want him to be that dude. But we, we got to see something more than what we're seeing, which is, I think, at best, He's really really good at taking what's there cuz I think there's a lot of guys that can accomplish that. So, rooting for AJ Dillon tomorrow.
6: Hey Ryan, there's one other thing I wanted to bring up regarding the game in the dome at Atlanta. It'll be how does Do- uh, how does Love going to handle the silent count uh-huh. and his um the snaps from Myers with especially with Myers having someone like Brady bearing down on him um I mean we already saw them struggle with one snap at Chicago when the crowd was already out of it um I'm just kind of wondering how much leeway he's going to be given to changing the plays and struggling to hear and the rest of the team struggling to hear um just what do you think that they might uh implement to help him with that uh, transition I'm out
2: yeah it's a good point and it it not only ties into what we've been talking about in terms of, uh, you know, learning about the team, but it's also a good point about what was talked about points that I had mentioned previously about the team and Jordan Love don't know what they have in Jordan Love. You know? You know to some degree, but you just don't know. This is another test. This is one of those factors that you don't know because of how he performs in practice. Or because of how good he is in the meeting rooms. It's one of those things that we won't know until we get out there and see it, right? I mean, I mean, so many different factors. I mean, we we started to see him struggle with wind, and that that makes you wonder, like, well, that sucks because we play in Lambeau Field, and maybe he'll be better in domes, and I forgot about that until this moment. You know, some of those missed passes, where did we play? We played at Soldier Field in Chicago. A little bit of wind. Who knows? Maybe this is the game he lights everything up because he's in a dome. You know, grass type and uh, crowd noise, pressure, deep passes. Audibles. There's just there's so many variables, and we just got to see how he performs. So that will be something else, I suppose, to uh, to keep an eye on for sure.
3: Hey Ryan, I was just having a thought. All I right. was wondering if Jordan Love kept playing at the level he is, or at least somewhat sustainable level close to it, how many games would it take for the Packers to re-sign him? Would it be a mid-season, mid-season thing like Rodgers was, or would it be a postseason thing? What do you think? And I was just curious. Thank you.
2: Yeah, that is a good question uh, as far as what do we do? Because well, I'm sure the Packers have, have laid these things out. They, they've got some mile markers in their mind where it's like, all right, we need to lock this guy down now as opposed to let's – talk to his agent and see what we can do about, you know, extending maybe for one more year or uh, you know, maybe a team friendly long-term contract. I mean, I would guess the tentative plan would be to do nothing and ride into 2024 and see how that goes unless he absolutely tears it up, right? Because you have a lot of flexibility here. You you don't have to do anything. I mean, his his cap hit <laughs> goes up to $7.7 million next year. If this year is just kind of so-so and there's some serious question marks, you can use those funds to invest in the team and say, okay, so now you've had a year under your belt. You got another year coming in. That'll help, presumably. We're going to get you some help here and there and, and all these. Let's see how 2024 goes. So I think the real question is, what is the scenario in which we don't make it to 2024? And um, That starts tomorrow with him essentially continuing, because I want to say like doing better than what he did, but, but that's not even necessarily fair because again, by some metrics he struggled by other metrics. He's the, like the number one quarterback in football right now. I mean, statistically he's doing really well, but even some of the advanced metrics, you know, I I don't know if I posted on social media or not, but if you look at, I think EPA per play on one uh, axis and then what was the other one? I don't remember exactly what it was. Something else, another advanced metric. I mean, it's a traditional linear regression model or whatever you call it, where obviously top right is the best, and Jordan Love is by himself way top right. If he comes out and throws three more touchdowns, you know, 250, 300 yards and three touchdowns, we have to start looking at that and going, you know, there might be some issues. There's some things to work on, but he's kind of freaking tearing it up right now. So we'll see. It seems unlikely it gets to that point, but I mean, if we get back-to-back games, we might need to start having that conversation of, I mean, first of all, playoffs are a guarantee. Like, we have to get there. That level of play, and it's not just statistics, but I mean, if if we start to see this as being the norm, and he is performing at, you know, top 10, borderline top 5 quarterback territory, and we get into the playoffs, and let's say we're making a run in the playoffs to the point where it's like, you know They they belong here in this Super Bowl hunt. Not just they happen to limp in, but they're one of the teams that gets scrapped right away. Like They, they are up there with the Bills and the Bengals and all these different teams. It could happen. I mean, it could be a situation where, you know what, we're going to lock it. He's the guy. He is the guy. Um, now, they may still wait until the offseason anyways. But, you know, you might have David Mulligetta sitting there going, look, he's had to wait long enough. Everybody else in his draft class got paid. This guy is playing up to I mean he he's up on Tua's level. He's up there with, you know, those boys. He should be getting paid. He may it may happen. It's an interesting question I hadn't really thought about before, but but it is, you know, I maybe it's just cuz I don't allow myself to go there too much. You know, the the what what happens in the extreme positive uh, side of things. Now I've got even more reason to to hope that that happens. Just give me three touchdowns and no picks. I don't even care about the yards. You give me three touchdowns and no picks, and we got to have that conversation.
6: Hey, Ryan, it's Garrett. Hey. just wanted to chime uh, in before Sunday's game against the Falcons. Um, I wanted to see what you thought about uh, how many running backs do they bring into this game, considering that – I think it's safe to assume that Aaron Jones is probably not 100%. So who do they bring up and why? Because I think uh, with given how good the defensive line is for Atlanta, I still think that they can run the ball against them. And to keep the pressure off of Love, I think that they need to run it more than they did, obviously against Chicago, and stay with it not go away from it. Um, and then secondly, with Watson, definitely probably being out again, uh, these new, these guys that are rookies like Wicks and Heath, I'm hoping that these guys are more in tune to what they need to do in this game because I think every single play is going to become even more crucial against uh, teams that are better like Atlanta than it was like last week. Um, my hope is that the defense comes out and actually gets more turnovers and actually – puts more points on the board to put Atlanta in a position where they can't run the ball anymore. Sure. So, uh, go pack, go. Let's hope that we're barbecuing some dirty bird wings Sunday afternoon.
2: I'm out. It's a great call by the way. I got to figure out what I want to make. That is, I keep saying I'm going to do that and then I don't do anything. Like I, I want to, you know, eat your enemy or whatever kind of crude thing that's called. What, what kind of a, Oh, jeez. <laughs> Freaking Florida-Tennessee game is a debacle. <laughs> Quarterback takes a knee to end the game, and a guy, a guy just comes and lays him out. <laughs> this game's never going to end. Frickin' Tennessee calls a timeout with no chance of winning. Anyways, that was funny. Type in Georgia Foods, expecting Peaches to come up, and I see uh, uh, Kachapuri, Kinkali. It's like, wait a minute, you did you think I meant the country, stupid? Why would anybody need to know that information? But we got peaches, fried chicken, peanuts, low country boil. Hmm. One pot tradition featuring shrimp, sausage, potatoes, and corn. I'll probably strip the corn out, but that sounds good. Hmm. Look into that. Shrimp and grits. Buttermilk pie. We got options. But anyways, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's a good way to get them to stop running the ball. Score a lot of points. Unfortunately, that's going to require a fast start, and that doesn't seem to be the Packers' MLO. But, similar to Chicago, you know, if you stay competitive and then they're running the ball, but that's they're not necessarily scoring a ton of points doing that, then you pick up the pace in the second half, force them to throw, and that's when you start to pull away. I mean, I I, I could live with that. And, and to put that another way, I think if the Packers do start to run up the score, it's probably over. Which is unfortunate for the Falcons, and and look, maybe they turn into a passing team. They've certainly got weapons, they just need the quarterback to get on on the freaking ball, but it's an unfortunate position to be in if you're one of those teams where, boy, if they start to get a lead, we're in trouble because we're not built for that. Well, then you're not built for the NFL, flat out, but it's still up to the Packers to make sure that they don't get dictated to by the Falcons, who play good defense and run hard, and you just keep it a close physical game, and you win that way. We cannot let them play that game. You there, Trucker Bob? No? Alright.
0: <laughs> hey here I am. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Vikings are 0 2? <laughs> that is that the uh, is that accurate? I I'm not hundred percent sure, I think but that's I, a thing. I think I think they're 0 and <laughs> two. Fing <laughs> horn blowing purple idiots <laughs> idiot. and two starting this year <laughs> Oh my god, it makes me so happy. Oh, we won thirteen games last year. We're gonna be <laughs> good at the end this year. <laughs> okay. Cool. Cool. Cool cool cool. All right. Well, uh that's uh that's a great start for um for us, you know, our uh, our division rivals, 0 and two, Bears 0 and one. Really we just gotta worry about the Lions this year, I guess. Go back home.
2: Yeah, they're they are in a tough spot because they're facing the Chargers, which is winnable, but tough. Then you got the Panthers, which should be a win, but Tampa should have been a win too. Then you got the Chiefs, and that's basically an L, you know, pending a a Detroit Lions situation. Then you got the Bears, which should be a win, but then you got the 49ers, which should be a loss. So if we just say 49ers, Chiefs are a loss, and the other three are wins, that is to say all the winnable games they win, they're 3-4. and That sucks. And they could potentially go on a win streak there, depending on where the Packers are at. They got Packers... Falcons, Saints, Broncos, Bears, Raiders. Before they face another playoff team, which would be the Bengals, assuming they win all of those, which you should not, they would be nine and four, I think. Right? I don't know. I, I lost. I wasn't keeping real good track of that. But I mean, it, the the bottom line is they're they're going to probably have a really rough start to the season, and then they're really going to have to pick it up and and prove that they're a very good football team. Because the bottom line is, if they are a very good football team, they could potentially win you know, a bunch of those games, let's say between Packers, Falcons, Saints, Broncos, Bears, Raiders, Bengals, uh, Lions, Packers, Lions, if you're a very good team, you maybe lose two or three of those, which is fine, but if you're an average team, you win maybe half of those, which means you probably end around eight and nine, so they got to figure it out, they got to figure it out pretty quick because you don't want to get off to a slow start and and again if they actually lose some of these games like if they lose to the Chargers and the Chiefs and the 49ers and they end up 2 and 5 to start the season then you got to face the division rival Green Bay Packers that's I mean not now you're just now now things are not great long season though we'll see how it goes why don't we take our final break we'll be right back Hello.
4: Borg. Is futile.
2: Your life as it has been. I'm I'm guessing you can't hear that. I can barely hear that. I believe it's the Borg and uh resistance is futile is what we're hearing right now.
0: Tucker Bob here. Hey, what's up? Just letting the bears know who's in charge. Anyways, (laughs) we were in uh, Chicago Tuesday. Nice. We delivered a load there, and then we turned around and picked one up, and we're heading for California. Since we had about a half a day, we decided to do a little shopping and walk it around Chicagoland, and while I was there that Tuesday, I saw... Chicago people wearing Cubs hats and shirts and White Sox hats and shirts. I saw a Bulls shirt. I even saw one guy walking around a a Hawk shirt. Yep. But there's one thing I did not see. I did not want to see one single bear hat, bear shirt, <laughs> bear support button, nothing. <laughs> I grabbed my Packer hat and my wife took it away from me and said, you are not going out there and gloat. <laughs> but boy, do I wish I could have. Anyway, <sighs> um, just thought to let you know that I listened to Aaron Nagler's show the other day, and somebody called up to complain about you, Pack Daddy, Oh, Uh and Aaron defended you hey.
2: on his show. How about that? So
0: I just thought you would like to know that.
2: That's nice to know.
0: Um, I have a real what, quick trivia what, question.
2: What happened? What, what did they say about me? Freaking... Jerk, whatever it was, he's probably right.
0: For you, there are five teams that have a lifelong winning record against the Green Bay Packers. Do you know what those five teams are? I'll give you a hint. All five are in the AFC. I'll count to three and give you the answer. One, you can pause the button if you wish. Two, three. The five teams are.
2: I don't like these games, Trucker Bob. i tell you what. I'm going to give everybody else time, and then they can figure it out, and I'm not going to play if that's okay.
0: Our Indianapolis Colts, who are 20-23-1. Uh, we are 20-23-1 against them. The Chiefs, we are 4-8-1 and 1 against them. The Titans, we are 6-8 and 8 against them. The Jets, we are 8-9. And, and the last team... are the Dolphins. There it is. Six and ten against them. Anyways, Pat the Bob out. Go Pack Go.
2: It's always a good time, Trucker Bob. Now, I, I can't stop thinking about the heck that guy said about me. <laughs> I should just leave it alone.
5: Hey, Ryan, uh, just watched the Vikings-Eagles game, and man, the, the Vikings offensive line is hot garbage, and they had some more injuries tonight. Um, it just seemed like Every pass play, Kirk Cousins is getting up off the dirt. I mean, if they can't yeah. figure something out there,
2: that's I true. Mean,
5: Kirk's not going to make it through the season. He's getting just beat up, and he is not young anymore. So right. um, I can't wait to see our pass rushers get after him. Assuming they don't.
2: It's a good point. The
5: before them, um,
2: I mean, he's a tough guy, but he has taken a beating, and we saw that last year with the quarterback series. And um, I, I obviously thought about that as i'm watching these games right i mean he's he's an older man and he's starting to take these beatings and his healing is not what it used to be and i mean it's just it's just a matter of time before it's it's the ribs or it's the back or it's something and um again i don't exactly know well, let me let me take a look here so right now kirk cousins has been under pressure uh 32.3% of his dropbacks he's got four sacks which is tied for seventh most um, in the NFL with a bunch of guys but i 'm trying to see hits here because that 's obviously a it 's more of what we 're looking for because dude has taken some shots so i mean we 're talking about he 's actually number one in the NFL when you factor in how many drop back passes he has and that 's the thing you know i mean yeah it 's not the highest percentage but when it 's a high percentage and you pass the ball more than anybody else or or you 're up there as far as passing i mean he 's had thirty drop back attempts where he 's been under pressure that 's number one And if you look at actual passing attempts, he's number one by a mile. Oh, my good Lord, Colorado State. 26 of his passing attempts, he's been under pressure. The second highest is Kenny Pickett at 18. But dude has thrown four touchdowns. (laughs) The only guy with more than one is Russell Wilson at two. Kirk Cousins just thrives under pressure, man. I want to find out how many times he's been hit. I don't know, but while we're here, I actually haven't looked at SIS yet. I forgot to check that out. A couple statistics for you to know. After Aaron Rodgers, whose sack percentage was 50%, Desmond Ritter is number two. Percentage of his dropbacks in which he gets sacked, 18.2%. That's high. Touchdown percentage, number one by a freaking metric mile, which I don't think is a thing. Jordan Love, 11.1%. The next highest is Jimmy Garoppolo at 7.7, followed by Brock Purdy at 6.9. I mean, he's borderline double what some of the highest guys are at. And he has an interception percentage of zero. But again, accuracy, Jordan Love uh, on target percentage, one, two, three, four, fifth lowest. Catchable percentage is fourth lowest in the NFL. But but here's the thing. Just imagine if his accuracy went up a tick. I, I mean, he's, he's, his statistics are already above everybody else, and he missed more throws than anybody else on a percentage basis. My goodness. And then there's a points earned metric that they use, which is sort of their—you could borderline call it a the, like their—I don't know—DVOA or PFF grade or whatever—but it's total points earned. Uh, Jordan Love is the third highest. They also have a metric IQR, which is like their passing metric, kind of like an NFL passer rating kind of thing. Jordan Love third highest. Anyways, we're getting off the beaten track here. Yeah. Bottom line, dude's getting smoked a lot, and it's gonna—it's gonna take a toll.
5: So the Falcons this week. I'm a little nervous. You know, good running teams always make me nervous, and I do think they're a good running team, They got, Yep. Uh But, you know, because Packers, historically, you know, we're never good against the run. But uh how is the team as a whole, uh, PFF-wise, against the run week one? Obviously week one one week. Can't base it all on that. But uh, I think he is going to be shutting down the run for us because, I mean, who are they going to throw the ball to, right? So, um, but, yeah, anyway, go Packers. Go.
2: But you'd mentioned how good are they against the run. I don't know if you meant to ask how good are we or how good are they at running or maybe you meant what you asked. But right now the Green Bay Packers against the run uh, via DVOA, so looking at what the Packers did, adjusting it for it being the Chicago Bears, they rank 11th with negative 22, which is fantastic. It's 22% better against the run than your average defense. How good are they against the run? Well, through week one, they rank 18th with a negative 17.1. If you really want to know about a team that's going to, you know, suck against the run, wait until next week. And we'll we'll see what happens on Monday, but the Saints right now are uh, ranked very very low, 26th against the run. Historically hasn't been the case with them, but anyways. Oh, uh, man oh man. You know what? Let's let's go ahead and do one more. I really really would like to go to bed, but we got a lot of calls and uh let's do one more. Bing
3: Hey, Ryan, it's Seth. Hey. Uh, hopefully you can hear me okay. I got my headset in and I'm um, simultaneously getting myself some breakfast. Anyways, now that would be you everything you don't really need to know or care about, um, I had a couple thoughts for you. Okay. For Sean Deary, man, I know that used uh, his nickname was Bane because he had, I think it was during COVID or something, but he had a mask on working out in the offseason. He just looked
2: super dope. You yeah. know, just
3: looked super intimidating. What's your optimism? But I think we need to change his nickname to Famous. Because, famous, uh, let's be honest. That's how lethal he is. Um Famous. What was my other thought? Well oh, yeah. uh regarding Rogers, well first that sucks, man. I can't even believe it. Right. This just doesn't even seem real. Makes me really wish he would have just retired, just I mean, well yeah. I guess not really, because I like the picks, but I, I, I just feel bad for him, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um also, but I what I wanna talk about was the picks. Um, that we're going to get, you know, a lot of people are, we're going to get a second now, not a first. However, if, and I know this is, this is some hypotheticals here, but if the Jets were going to be good with Rogers, we would have had, you know, like what, somewhere between like the 28th and 32nd pick. Yeah. Um, I don't think they were going to win the Super Bowl, but just, just, uh, bear with me. I get it. And, uh. I anticipate them sucking with Zach Wilson. I can't say that for certainty. But so we may now end up with like the 36 pick. So we're talking about less than 10 picks different is my, what I anticipate happening. And uh, if they are good at Zach Wilson and end up still, we get like, if they end up, you know, finishing top five, let's be real. Then they really did have a chance to win the Super Bowl with Rogers. And uh, we would have, you know, they just, essentially been a second-round pick at that point anyways, you know, 30-second pick, whatever. So, I mean, it does suck, first and foremost for Rodgers. Um, it also sucks that, you know, we don't get a first, is a first, not a second. But the point is, I don't think the value of that pick is actually changing that drastically. So, anyways, that's all I got. Talk to you later.
2: Yeah, and that was kind of my take early on in this process, is it we're, we're, we're very likely to get a Oh, my back. Oh, kind of pulled something there in my back again. Um, A late first or an early second. And now we've locked in the second, and so we can just hope for an early second, which, again, always kind of seemed to be the case. It was it, it, it was possible that you might see Aaron Rodgers and the Jets have a bad pick, but what, what really was their floor? I mean, they had picked, what, 15 last year or 13? I think 13, because that's what we ended up getting from them. That thirteen was Zach Wilson. I guess you could say that's their floor. Like if Rodgers really isn't helpful and the offensive line is terrible, and you know Rogers struggles and the defense maybe takes a half a step back, I, I but but more than likely you're in the twenties. But look, man, I mean, like I said before, a it, second round pick is valuable. It's not as valuable, but you can get some studs, and we're going to get. Hopefully, we're going to get us ourselves a stud. Anyways, I am going to end it there. You guys have a good rest of your night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.